happy girl. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another podcast of Women at the Well Ministries, where we believe that all of us have to come to Jesus like the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Our highest priority is making God real in your life. Whether you are listening in our app, in your favorite podcasting app, or on our website at watwm.org, we invite you to sit down with us as we look to the scriptures to learn more about God and to strengthen your daily walk with Jesus Christ. In John 8:12, Jesus is telling us that those who follow him have a godly purpose and an intentional godly walk. Those who are Christ followers don't walk in darkness. In other words, people who have given their lives to Jesus and placed their faith in him will no longer walk in sin. They will no longer be a slave to sin and their actions will demonstrate their commitment to Christ. Join us in this podcast of Women at the Well Ministries as Kim takes us on a journey through the scriptures, revealing what it means to follow Christ and no longer walk in darkness. Hello, and thank you for joining us in this podcast of Women at the Well Ministries. I'm so excited that we are in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it reads as this, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In my lifetime, I've always been a person that never liked to be in the dark. I don't like to be in the dark figuratively, and I don't like to be in the dark literally. I like to be able to see where I'm going. And when I was a child, and I was was first learning to sleep by myself and all that good stuff, my mom and dad would want to turn the light off. And, you know, it was nighttime, it's time to go to bed. I think that's what most people do. And... I had a little night light, and they would put in there. But it wasn't as bright as the overhead light. And so I would often tell my mom and dad, as they would get ready to turn off the light, men that love darkness rather than light, their deeds are evil. And being the wonderful parents that they were, and such God-fearing, loving parents, they knew that was Scripture, (laughs) And they would always step back at me and say, that's right. But darkness of this world is about sinful wickedness. But if you want the light on, you can have the light on. But the nightlight, let's move it closer to your bed. And so the nightlight would shine across me, and I would watch the night a little bit, the light a little bit during the night before I would fall asleep. And I would have these wonderful prayers with the Lord. And it became so special to me because he was light. And not many years later, as I was studying the book of John and looking at John chapter 8, and I come across this verse in John chapter 8, 12 that says, I am the light of the world. He also says that in Matthew chapter 5. It was so encouraging to me. It was so amazing to me because I knew that no matter where I was, no matter what I did, no matter what was going on or the circumstances I found myself in, the light would show me the way. 
anew in John chapter 14, verses 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So I knew that he was the light, and I knew he was the way. I also knew that he was the truth. And because of that, I could place my faith in him. And I could believe him and take him at his word. And so when I began to look at this verse in John chapter 8, verse 12, and he said, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I knew that meant that I had his light in me. And as long as I had his light in me, I would never be in darkness. I would never find myself in a situation where I didn't know the right way, where I didn't understand what God was asking of me because I always would have him in me. And when I didn't understand, I could continue to ask. I could continue to seek him and to read his word and he would give me the answers that I no longer would ever have to worry about any time in my life walking in darkness. Then as I began to really examine this verse, it became quite convicting. Because it wasn't just about him being the light and being able to see the direction I needed to go. It wasn't just about him always protecting me so I wouldn't dash my foot against the stone as he sent his angels to protect me. It was about me making choices about who I was going to serve and whether or not I was going to obey his commandments. And I had read in John that he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and they're not grievous to you. I had read the psalmist David who had told me if you, he would give you the delight of your heart, the desires of your heart, if you would delight yourself in him. And I began to see that Joshua when, he, Joshua, when he said, choose you this day whom you will serve, that every single day I was going to have to take up the cross that he told me about in Matthew, and I was going to have to die daily to the world, but I knew that the light was within me, and he would give me the power that I needed. He would give me the courage that I needed. He would supply all that I needed to walk in his ways, and I realized that John chapter 8 and verse 12 was a convicting verse saying to me that if I knew who Jesus was, if I loved the Lord, as I said, I would follow his commandments, and I would not walk in a sinful, wicked way in this sinful world. I knew that the world would see a difference in me, that I could be a peculiar person, zealous of good works, as I've been instructed in Peter. I knew that I could be a person that was different, that I could be salt, that would show that there is a difference in this world. I knew that my light was put in me, not to be dimmed by the world, but to light the path of the world so that they could find Jesus when they found my light. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, it sits in the middle of the account of the woman who was caught in adultery. See, these people want to sort of tempt Jesus, and they bring in this woman who had been accused of adultery 
And then the law by Moses, this person's supposed to be stoned. And so they come to Jesus, and they want to know what Jesus got to say about it. But to their surprise, this thing didn't go down the way they thought. These self-righteous, indignant, prideful people really thought this woman who had been caught in this sin was going to be stoned in front of them and punished and somehow they felt they would be lifted up and her shame would be publicized. Now there's no debate what she did was wrong. The Bible says thou shalt not commit adultery. But see, sometimes people think that sins are categorized and that some sins are worse than others. But God sees nothing in the differences of sin. Sin is sin in the eyes of God. And whether or not you think it's a sin does not change the fact that it is. If the word of God says it is a sin, it is a sin. That doesn't mean it's popular for you to believe that. That just means it's truth. Just because the world is doing it does not mean that you can. In fact, you probably can't. Just because it feels good does not mean it's the right thing to do. Even just because you can doesn't mean you should. Jesus has a plan for us. He wants to give us the abundant life that he talked about in John chapter 10, verse 10. And he says that he has a plan for us to prosper us and to give us a hope and an expected end in Jeremiah 29, 11. But in order to do that, we've got to live out John chapter 8, verse 12, which says that we are going to follow him and not walk in darkness, but we will have the light of light inside of us. So these pharisaical people are coming to Jesus and want to know what he's going to do. And interestingly enough, what he does, he stoops down and with his finger, he begins to write on the ground as if he didn't hear them. There is nowhere in the account of the scriptures that it tells us what he writes on the ground. But I believe with every fiber of my body that he began to write sins on that ground. I believe he took his finger and started writing things like lying. Words like cheating. Words like hate. Words like selfishness. Words like misunderstanding. And the list goes on. Perhaps he even wrote, rejecting Jesus. Perhaps in the modern day, if he was writing on the sand at the beach of the sins of the people that were guided around, maybe he'd write things like tax evasion, not helping your neighbor, bearing false witness, cheating on your taxes, Neglecting to read your Bible, not telling others about Jesus, forsaking the assembling of yourselves together in the church. Perhaps he'd write things like quarreling, tattler, gossiper. Maybe he'd write things like pornography, drinking drugs, illicit sex. 
Maybe you'd write things like putting your car before me, serving your job and not me, spending your money and never giving to me. I don't know what he would write. But I believe he was writing sins of the people in the room. I mean, in the gathered around this woman. And an interesting thing happens. He looks up and he says, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And basically he's written something on the ground, and I believe it was known sins. Then he says, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. And then he stoops back down again, and he writes again. And all those that heard it, they were convicted by their own conscience. And they went out one by one, beginning at the oldest, even unto the least, until Jesus was left alone. And the woman was standing in his midst. And when Jesus had lifted himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, listen to what he says. Woman, where are thou accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said one of the most beautiful sentences in scripture. Neither do I condemn thee. Go. And sin no more. Clearly the woman who committed adultery had not lived a perfect life, yet she was forgiven. So perfection isn't what God is looking for in our lives. It's not what's required for forgiveness of sin. See, if you watch what the woman does, she stands in front of him and in no account in the scriptures does she deny that she has sinned. She stands in his presence and she acknowledges her sins. And in doing so, she receives a full pardon. But let's look at what the results of her pardon were. Not only was she forgiven, but she was also given a command. He gently explains to her in John 8, 11, that those who follow Jesus are to sin no more. Now, we're earthly creatures, and as such, we have fleshly nature that is sinful and wicked. So if we give in to our flesh and walk in the ways of the world, we're going to sin. We're going to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. It's what we do with that temptation. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit within us can help us, lead us, guide us, and direct us, that we would overcome that temptation and that the temptation would not overcome us. In John chapter 8 and 11, when he says, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more, he isn't expecting the woman to never sin again. But he is telling her to change her intentions and her purpose. He's telling her not to return to her old ways of walking after the devil, but to turn her life around and quit her habitual intentional sinning. He's telling her to change her life. And allow him to be the focus and center and a center of it. And for her to not live as a sinner because we sin has no more dominion over us. God has saved us from the wrath of sin and the 
the hold of sin and we can ask him to release us from whatever sin that is so easily besetting us. We need to have a life that is completely committed to the Lord. As we begin to look at John chapter 8 and verse 12, he's telling us that those who follow him have a godly purpose and an intentional godly walk. And he's asking the woman whom he's forgiven of adultery to do that. In other words, people who have given their lives to Jesus and placed their faith in him will no longer walk in sin. Christ's followers don't walk in the darkness of the world. They're no longer a slave to sin. Their actions will demonstrate a commitment to Christ. Those who follow him will not walk in darkness. When you read this slowly and carefully, it makes perfect sense. Because if you're following Jesus, who is the light... You can't be walking in darkness because there's no darkness at all in him. You have to be in the light. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, it says this. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now let's read this again, the part that says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And Exodus 20 tells us, thou shalt not lie. God is holy. His word is truth. He is perfect in righteousness, and in him there is no sin, no wickedness, and no imperfection. And when we say that we know him, and we have fellowship with him, and still walk in the darkness of sin, we are lying. We're not practicing the truth that is presented by the gospel of Christ. But if we are really living and walking in the light of Jesus, we have true, unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Christ, the Son of God, cleanses us from all sin and guilt. His blood applied to our lives keeps us cleansed from sin, cleansed from sin, regardless of what the sin is and what it looks like. Right now, if sin has a stronghold on you, Jesus is standing, asking you to allow him to remove it from your life. But you've got to consciously choose him over the sin. In Romans 6.14, it says, For sin shall have not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. The grace of God. Gives us the Holy Spirit that lives within us. That we might have instruction, understanding, knowledge, direction, and guidance of how to navigate in this sinful, wicked world without the world getting in us. We live in the world, but the world does not need to be in us. 
It's a beautiful illustration of why a boat sinks. You can have a boat in the great big ocean. Winds and waves. And as long as it's on top of the water, as long as the water doesn't get in the boat, the boat will float. It's in the water, but the water's not in it. But just as soon as the boat begins to take on water, it begins to be in a perilous situation. And as the water increases and more of the surrounding water gets in the boat, it begins to sink. The boat was never meant to take on the water. The boat was meant to be in the water, but not part of the water. And you and I are meant to be in this world to live out John chapter 8 and verse 12, which says that we have the light of life in us. But we were never meant to be part of the world. Remember, Jesus loves you. You are loved. Thank you for joining us in today's podcast. You can visit the show notes for quotes from today's podcast and scripture references. We pray today has been a blessing, and we encourage you to reach out to us through our app, our website, or our Facebook page. You can find our app by searching for Woman at the Well Ministries in your app store or through our website at watwm.org. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash watwm. If you visit our website, you'll be able to subscribe to Bible Bits, a daily devotion written by Kim and delivered Monday through Friday by text message. Woman of the Well Ministries is a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving our Heavenly Father, and it is through your loving and generous support that our ministry continues to bless others. To learn how to partner with Woman at the Well Ministries, please visit our website. Thank you to the Gospel Group Fudge Creek for letting us use their hit song, Happy Girl. We greatly appreciate your prayers. We are praying daily for our listeners. Remember that God loves you. You are loved. Happy girl. She's a happy girl.
Happy girl.